Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Alliteration. Now, let's lower the lights and let loose the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by The Dark Face of Love. Pick up the new thriller from the late Guinevere Beck. It's the only one she'll be releasing. It's The Dark Face of Love. Perfect. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is a show where uh, filmmakers, artists, artists uh, like to analyze, pick apart films, and try to learn something about movies, maybe a little about life, uh, but mostly about movies, <laughs> yeah. storytelling. Every now and then about life. Now and then. We do what we can. Yeah. Uh, if my voice goes in and out, uh, that would be... The result of the flu and laryngitis and yeah, uh, my which voice Which I feel is, like I'm getting right now. <laughs> I wonder if laryngitis can be contagious. I, I, I'm assuming not. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> if, I if so, it's know. like on a week and a half delay. Oh, I mean, I think a lot of things are actually. True. Anyway. Um, my excitement is contagious. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good segue. Thanks. You know, it's one of those things, like, I, because we are filmmakers, this is everything I love. Movies and... I like to get excited about something. I'm, I'm, I don't have anything right now. There used to be for several years, there was something for me to not just be excited about. There's things I'm excited to see. Like I want to see 1917. I want to see Tenet, but there's a level of excitement that I had for years over certain projects like lost before it ended. I would get really excited, you know, about a new show. Uh, episode dropping and even more as much as I was excited about lost I was really excited about a new Game of Thrones episode and that started after the first season like the first season I watched and I was like okay this is interesting this is interesting then the first season ends and you're like oh these guys are doing something and every season after that every episode after that I would get a little more more anticipation and same thing with like Star Wars when the new Star Wars movies started coming out the Avengers and it wasn't just Excitement. It was almost misery uh, for for the expectation and the anticipation. Almost couldn't even enjoy it when I would sit down to watch it because I was just my my anxiety and my stress and my nervousness was so high about what I was about to consume that I almost couldn't even focus on what I was consuming. It was just literally on verge of hives. Like I was just so anticipating these things. And where are we going with this? I don't have anything. I don't know about you, but there's nothing that I'm that excited about on the horizon. Like there's nothing that I'm looking at and I'm like, man, I, if I could fast forward through time right now, I would gladly skip through whatever, just so I could, you know, watch this movie or this TV show. There's things that like I want to see, like I was saying, but there's nothing that I'm on a level 10, like anxious to see. Yeah, no. I don't know if there's anything. No, I'm I'm excited to see Tenet and Top Gun and, you know. I guess the, the typical stuff, I guess the, the stuff I know is coming out, but there's nothing really that's like grabbing me Everything's for the summer, you know, kind of wrapped up like yeah. all the things that had spent their time building, you know, this following or uh, working off of this source material. Uh, it's all kind of done. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's shows that I think might eventually get there. Like, I really enjoyed his dark materials on HBO. Um, I thought I need that, to watch that. I think that's going to go somewhere interesting, but you can't do that in the season. Like you can't get yeah. my level 10 out of me in one season. It's going to take, you know, yeah. one or two seasons at best and you better have something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at right now in pop culture and yeah, I don't really have anything either. 
Interesting. And thanks for bringing me down, man. I know it really brings me down too, <laughs> in the worst way. Like, well, and the the other problem is, is that I'm I just don't trust Hollywood to to mm. make to make the thing that I should be that excited about anymore. True. I really don't. I mean, I feel like there are there are a few there are a few things where. You know, you look at you look at something like Joker, right? Mm. And th- that was an outlier. That was like nobody expected that. Not even the 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 studio. <laughs> right. like they did not. Not even the people that made it. Todd Phillips didn't expect it. You know, but I, I think that's where the stuff, the next stuff, needs to come from. It's like this, you know, really raw uh, surprise, yeah. if, for lack of a better term, to where you, maybe you're not going to know that you should be that excited about it until you see it. And you're like, Oh my God, that was, that was amazing. And then, cause that's the way I felt. And then I, you know, like now after that, I'm like, there's nothing really that can compare. So I'm just not excited about anything. Nothing. And I think that's a really good point. Like I think there is a lot of trust lost for Hollywood and yeah. Not just, you know, their motivations, because it's always been the same. It's always been to make money. Right. Like, right. There's, Which you have to make money. You do. This is a yes. this show business, and we all get that. Uh, but it's also art. And so much lately has been eschewing art for the sake of money. Yeah. Like, let's rehash things that don't need to be rehashed. You know, the whole remakes, remake syndrome that we had for a good 15, 20 years. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of going away a little bit. We're not seeing as many remakes recently. Yeah. Um, as Last I feel like we years. have been yeah. and we're getting into some, and I think Marvel has probably been a large part of that, which is a whole other Scorsese conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of trust loss just because they, they don't make room for the, the $40 million budgets like a Joker anymore. Yeah. And, you have to give artists space to create and to fail and to be able to come back from that and take chances and risks. And they're not interested in that. They're interested in IP, you know, which is such a crappy term because it it really does kind of productize uh, art. Intellectual property. Yeah. For those listening. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, you know, Iron Man and, you know, what, what IP can we take advantage of? What's out yeah. there? And it's what novels have a fan base that we could, you know, adapt. And novels are a great place, don't get me wrong, to to find, you know, new original uh, sources of material because it's so well thought out and authors tend to spend much more time living inside these worlds and creating a story. Whereas, you know, so many filmmakers, well put. you know, just yeah. get a budget and they say, okay, uh, we're, now what? we can make something. Let's just make something. Yeah. And you forget that. Oh, I should also have something I want to say. Yeah. Like if I didn't have to, you know, sit and do these, all these projects, I could talk through, you know, with you or with, you know, any other artists and say, Hey, here's something I really want to say. I don't necessarily know how to say it, but here's something that I'm I'm feeling really deeply and I want to say, and would you help me, you know, say this thing? And I feel like there's thousands and thousands of those kinds of artists laying around, you know, waiting for their opportunity who have scripts in hand. And Mm -hmm. yet we're seeing, um, it's hard to not call, Mm -hmm. you know, studios out or, uh, directors out directors or even distribution platforms like a Netflix or Hulu that I would love to work with. But at the same time, I see some of the quality of the work they're putting out and I'm like, man, you know, what if, what if you didn't just reach for the nearest script that fit the algorithm but instead you said, what is it that you believe in and how can we help you tell the story a little bit better? That's how you get something like a marriage story. Noah Baumbach 
just delivered an atom bomb on Netflix that they haven't done before. Like Netflix has put out some pretty good stuff, but they haven't put out a marriage story before. This is something that they've been needing to do. Uh, Irishmen, like they found artists that needed a voice or that had a voice and needed the budget and needed the place to to live. And whenever you do that, when you support the artist, I think you're going to win a lot more. You can swing and hit a lot more home runs, Uh, even though sometimes you might get some strikeouts. That's part of the game is like. Supporting an artist, not everything is going to be a masterwork, but uh, whenever you get in, you know, in bed with them, so to speak, and you're just there to support them and build them up and help them. There's no curation going on right now. There's there's only how fast can we create stuff instead of how can we find the best stuff that's speaking to somebody mm-hmm. and that has you know a theme and an arc and uh, and those are the things that ultimately speak to us. That's what got me hooked on Game of Thrones. Um, it was so inhabited and lived in. And all these characters, you know, felt real, even though this is a fantasy universe. Same thing with, you know, Avengers and the MCU. Like, as kitschy as it could come across sometime, I still really emotionally connected with these guys because th- they were also working off of source material from artists and writers who really thought about these characters and said, how does Tony Stark deal with alcoholism? Okay, let's explore that in a fantasy universe. Um, And those are just really human places to come from. And we're just not letting artists go there or we're not asking them to. Instead, we're just saying, uh, how much money can this thing make? And you got to, you got to start on the opposite end. I think if you want to make something that not only is going to stand the test of time and become, has its own cult following, but also, you know, uh, connects with an audience that, that's that's how you get it's failing me right now but uh, there's so many works of art that start off you know donnie darko starts off as nothing and then you know over 10 years shawshank redemption was that way yeah. like it it doesn't get its audience right away but it grows and becomes something valuable over time those things are worth millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars now shawshank redemption are you kidding me yeah that's made I mean, so much more money back. It's literally playing on some channel every single day <laughs> right. of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But if but if you only judged it by its box office, you might call it a failure. You know, it, I mean, there, it might be a good correlation with music, honestly, because you know, playing devil devil's advocate, if you if you put a um, like a, a studio rep in here, they'd probably sit there and say. I love movies. This is why I got into this business because I love movies and I want to tell stories and I want to make something really great. It's not as easy as you think to just say, let's tell a great story. But at the same time, and in music, it was this way too, you know, back in the eighties or nineties, you had a specific platform, which was CDs or vinyl or tapes. Right. And then you know, Spotify happens and, and all that stuff. And then everything changes and all of a sudden it's a singles market and you have Netflix and everything changes. And all of a sudden, instead of putting out a, a, a episode at a time, you're putting out a season at a time. And so you have to sink a whole lot more money into, you know, telling eight hour long episodes instead of a single hour a week, you know? So it's, I, I, I think that they would have their arguments. Mm-hmm. But what I would argue uh, back at that is, well, they used to do it, you know, like they used to, they used to say, yes, it's, it's hard to, of course, it's hard to tell a great story in a great way, but it happened. Raging Bull happened. Uh, The Godfather happened. Jaws happened. So why can't it happen again? 
you know, Rocky happened. I mean, you know, that was, that was a studio completely taking a chance on a completely unknown actor who, and writer and -hmm. director who had never done anything before. And they said, fine, we love the script. We're going to give it to you. We're going to let's, let's make something really great. And, and gave a chance like that can happen again. And it's not always like you're completely rolling the dice, you know, I mean, if a great script is a great script and you can have people, you can have people looking at dailies also that are not just the director, but studio Mm -hmm. people, you know, like just to make sure like, Hey, this is not going to go off the rails because this is a brand new person. Like you can have things in place to like make sure that, that, things don't get out of hand and go the wrong way. You know, it's just, you got to do it. You know, if you really want to make a good movie, if you really want to tell a great story, then you got to go all in. And it's not just, you know, trusting a, a new director or Mm -hmm. something. It's more than that. It's the producer with them. Yeah. You know, the actor, it's trusting your own taste. Like if you really did get in this for movies, then you need to either, believe that you understand what makes a good movie a good movie or understand that you don't and just work in the area that you're good at it's a level of honesty that i think most industry people just don't have with themselves because everyone wants to say yeah i saw the greatness in that or this was my idea everyone wants their fingerprints on something yeah uh very few people want to step back and say yeah i saw something great in him and he told a great story Definitely. And, and he, there's so, and there's so many people, dude, and all in this, in this industry, there are so many people that all have to have their voice heard or else they cannot prove that their job is important and needed and necessary. Like that, so I true. swear to God, 100%. like, like, you know, if I'm an executive producer, I better have an opinion on that, that thing. Yeah. And it better be unique because if it's not, then maybe I'm not needed. You know, or maybe, you know, on the next gig, they're not going to think about me because I didn't have that great thought or that great idea. And in some ways that could push you to have a great idea that nobody had. But in most ways, let's be honest, it's just you have too many cooks in the kitchen who think they know what the vision is and they just don't, you know, and the vision would be that of the director, right? Like let's, that's where the buck stops. You know, you could be the writer, you could be executive producer. It does not matter. It is the director who who calls all the shots. So if you don't, if you're not on the same page with that dude, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I want to, I want to talk about a a couple of movies (laughs) where like, that's the case where you had the cinematographer and the director and the producer and the actors all on the same page. And that made an amazing movie that made a lot of money. Right. But if you even have one of those people who is not on the same page, even remotely, then it just, kind of starts falling apart, unraveling a little yeah. bit at the edges, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I've uh, made a comparison before that, you know, it's, uh, it's an orchestra. Yeah. We all have to be playing, like I said, on the same page and playing harmonies that play with each other. Uh, cause if you suddenly have a, a drummer who wants to have a solo in the middle of your, you know, trumpet solo, then it's, it's going to get weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Nice. Um, That's a good little tangent there. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, it's just been something that I've been chewing on as uh, Star Wars wrapped up its latest trilogy. We're not going to dive into that, of course, but right, right. it just made me realize, man, there's, I'm not, and I wasn't level 10 excited for the Rise of Skywalker, but I was still wanting to see it and see how they wrapped up the story. 
Yeah, there's just nothing on the horizon now. And I'm like, man, what's it going to be? What's going to yeah. like get me? Maybe we're just going to have to make it. I don't know. But uh, something's got to be out there that, you know, is getting me like really jonesing for that, that next hit. There's got to be something coming. It's got to be something. Yeah. Jeez. Well, what are we doing today? Pretty excited. Uh, this was your pick. It was. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes, sir. And I know it's a little late. It's after Christmas. However, <laughs> I don't even care. Uh, I mean, you know, it had to be because of sickness and, and traveling mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But this is my favorite uh, Christmas movie. <laughs> it's awesome. For sure. Um, yeah. So uh, what are we going to talk about? We'll, we'll talk about a few things. Editing a little bit. Uh, physical comedy and other such stuff and things and stuff. Yeah. Uh, how, how about story, too? We'll talk about story. Okay. I have a few things. Cool. Uh, so quick synopsis. The Griswold family's plans for a big family Christmas predictably turn into a big disaster. Directed by Jeremiah Chechnik. Chechik? Chechik. Uh, written by John Hughes. Featuring Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold. Beverly D'Angelo as Ellen. Juliet Lewis as Audrey. Johnny Galecki, Galecki as Rusty. And Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie. I totally botched. I butchered. I butchered all of those names. I butchered the cinematography. Oh, there you go. Cinematography by Thomas E. Ackerman. Thank you. You're the last true family man. Mark? Mm. Clark. That's Bill, sir. Are you the one who was working on that non-nutritive cereal varnish? Yes, sir. I've got to give a speech to a trade group. I'd like to mention it. Write up a brief summary and have it to me by the end of the day. My pleasure. Layman's terms, none of that inside bullshit jargon that nobody understands. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Shirley, uh, we got your Christmas card the other day, and my family and I are very flattered that you remembered us. Corporate cards. Don't forget that report, Bill. Yes, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. Well, that wasn't the clip I meant to play, but I was like, oh, I do want to hear him say that. It's still good. <laughs> What's the clip you wanted to play? Uh, it was much quicker. Aren't you having any breakfast? I'm not in the mood. What are you looking at? Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer Shitter was full! Ah, yeah, you checked our shitters, honey? Clark, please He doesn't know any better You ought to know it's illegal It's a storm sewer If it fills with gas, I pity the person who lights a match within ten yards of it <laughs> Merry Christmas! Jenner was full! Yeah, so... <laughs> you literally could have started it at any point in this movie and stopped it, and it would have been a good clip. True. There's really not a bad moment in this movie. <laughs> what makes this your favorite holiday movie? Because there's really not a bad moment in this movie. I mean, I'm laughing the whole time. I mean, Randy Quaid with Chevy Chase is just brilliant. It's so good. And there's there's just so many great one-liners that... I could, I could, I could go on for days, right? <laughs> but they're they're really creative on all the bad stuff that goes on, um, and some of it 
everybody experiences, you know, like when you're trying to put up lights in your house or something or whatever, and, and you, you forget to check them all and you put them up and all they're not on and you got to go through and find the bulb or whatever, that kind of stuff. But then there's also the crazy stuff that would probably never happen, which is like a squirrel in the tree or, Oh, being locked in your attic and then, you know, <laughs> watching movies and then falling through the, the thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's, a lot of stuff that actually wouldn't happen, but it's funny because it's Chevy Chase and he's, he's very like, I'm going to give my family the best Christmas ever. God damn it. You know, just like so determined <laughs> and it's the world is completely against him. And I think that we, a lot of us, I know myself, especially feel that way throughout the holidays where you just want to, you want it to be great. Right. And so you just try really hard to make it great. But it doesn't always happen that way. Right. And then family comes into the mix and it's, and you know, with my wife and I, uh, the first t- Christmas we had together, we went to seven different Christmases. Whoa. It was ridiculous. And we'll never do that again, but you know, it was a lot of family. Right. And it was family that we don't, some that we don't talk to anymore for random reasons. And yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's just so many great one liners in there and just great moments of, uh, like not like facial acting mm. that Chevy Chase is so good at doing. Like his surprise look is amazing. I mean, he can, it, I, I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm just a big Chevy Chase fan anyway, but yeah. Yeah. What is, is there, does this remind you of your own Christmases growing up at all? Like, is there any, Oh, I can see my dad being, no, but I like Clark. I, no, I but I like I like movies where the main character, like funny movies where the main character just like nothing goes right. <laughs> like, sorry to name him another movie, but like Money Pit, mm. I pee myself <laughs> laughing at everything that happens in that movie because Tom Hanks is brilliant in that film and he's so freaking hilarious and Chevy has the same kind of attitude and they all have this moment where they snap right his Mm. moment was when the tree goes up right and he has to get another tree so he goes and saws one down out front and brings it in the house and then uh he's up he's upstairs and he's got the he's uh he's you know looking in the mirror in the bathroom his wife is like trying to calm down he's like i'm calm everything's great he walks out and shakes the little new post and he it's shaky and so he saws it off he's like fix the new post (laughs) just like it's like so matter of fact but you can tell he's completely snapped right and there's nothing else that can that can you know, destroy him. Obviously it's not true. Right. <laughs> Completely hap- goes crazy after that. But, but yeah, I just love, you know, that nothing goes right, which is pretty much the story of national, anything national lampoons, right? True. Very yeah. true. I love the, the crazy long rant. He gets off about his boss. Oh, like that. And not one single curse word. Yeah. Right? It was really impressive. Was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't grow up with this. This might be the first time I've watched it in its entirety. Oh, wow. I know I've seen bits and pieces here and there over the years. And it's probably something that played on, you know, my family's TV. And I would sit down for 15, 20 minutes and I'd get up. So this is the first time I've ever seen it all. Like, I don't remember the the toboggan scene at all where they're where sledding. Um, you don't remember that? Oh, man. That was my first time seeing that. And I wouldn't say I laughed a ton. I think 
part of the nostalgia was not there for me. Yeah. Uh, even though I love Chevy Chase too, like Three Amigos is one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. And Fletch, Fletch Lives, like fan, you know, just fantastic. Uh, but for whatever reason, I never watched the National Lampoon movies a lot as a kid. Uh, huh. I have no idea why we we owned a lot of maybe or maybe not uh, <laughs> VHS tapes of oh yeah yeah compiled curation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah you're a thief yeah Get it. it wasn't me no not you I just partook yeah right, right. <laughs> I ate the bread I didn't steal the bread <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know. What that was, that's not to say I didn't laugh in this, like the, the lights finally turning on, that scene got me really good because, yeah, <laughs> and then everything and it, you know, his neighbors obviously get flooded. Yeah. But what made me really laugh was the wide shot of the city yeah. and their tree and you can see every, <laughs> all the city going out, get blacking out. And, and then, then their they, meters. Yeah. Then. They cut to the meter. <laughs> It's just going nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Like that really, I, I got in stitches on that. Yeah. Um, and there was some really great, and to your point, I mean, his comedy style is, is so good. Like, and that was one of the things I want, you know, kind of touch on is physical comedy is so great here. And physical comedy can be defined in, you know, I guess in a number of ways. It can be literal physical stuff where, you know, him playing around on the ladder, right? Uh, he falls over on the tree, then he pushes himself back up to the uh, roof. That's technically physical comedy. And there's, you know, getting hit and falling down and the reaction shots, uh, like when Rusty sneaks up on him in the, uh, as he's lightly hitting on this <laughs> chick in the, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, in the store. Oh, hi, Russ. Rust. Rust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that reaction shot of just that's a physical comedy thing like these very expressive gestures are a part of physical comedy and it can actually be really tiring yeah. uh, just as tiring sometimes I think as an emotional scene where you have to be crying or upset or yelling at somebody uh, these physical gesturing can be just as exhausting and tiring because so much energy goes into that and you feel like like a voiceover in a cartoon it may sound very simple but you're not because you're not on screen and people can't see your face and your eyes and uh your your gesturing whenever you're doing voiceover you're you're closer to a at a like an eight or a nine or even a ten and your volume and your overacting just to get all that emotion and uh activity through your voice whereas you know on screen you might be at a five or six like all that expressiveness really takes a, a, a toll on you, on your energy. And to do, you have to think he's not doing that once. And then he's on to the next scene. Like he might do that five, 10, 15 times, uh, depending on how they're going to shoot. And it seems like in this film, they held on Chevy Chase more than on other characters. And granted, he's the main character. So we do want to see how he's responding to certain things, but his whole family, like the four, the nuclear family are all core players here. Rusty and Audrey. Audrey, Audrey and Ellen, like they're all core players, but there's times whenever they're talking and we're still looking at Chevy. And I think it's partly because not just because he's the main act, uh, the main, the lead, uh, the main character, but also because he's like the biggest star name. And, uh, you kind of want to be watching him more than everyone else. Yeah. The more he's on screen, probably the funnier it's going to be, because like you said, a look from him can like just lay you out. Well, and they also replace the others. In the other movies. Do they really? Yeah. I didn't Rusty's know that. different in almost every single movie. <laughs> really? Rusty and Audrey. And I mean, 
and uh, Ellen. I mean, they're all different. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's so funny. Go watch, uh, what is it? Uh, the, uh, not your MP vacation, but the other one where they go to. Just the road trip one. Yeah. What is that? Because that's the one I watched the most as a kid. Okay. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. I don't. Different Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Yeah. And Audrey. <laughs> um, Which I think is great. Right. <laughs> It's it's just further further solidifies that Chevy's the main. He is the guy. You know, he's the guy. And the other thing, you know, at the, in the opening when they're hunting down the tree and they have those, uh, uh, I don't know, the the road rage kind of incident. There's this edit that I really enjoyed in there because you don't normally see this from any movie, let alone a, a comedy. And it's this really quick edit whenever he hits the brakes and we see the kids slam. And then whenever he hits the gas, we see them slam back. And those edits are so lightning fast, you almost wouldn't see them. Most of the time, movies give you like an extra half second before the brake slam. They do a shot of the brakes being pressed. And then they cut to the kids like waiting for the brakes to be pressed and then they slam and it's all granted to kind of give you a give you a a second to realize yeah to let it all register and oh this is all happening but they didn't do that like they cut straight to they're slamming their heads and they're in and out in probably less than 12 frames like it's lightning fast and i love that because that's my style of editing yeah right i like very tight quick and you have to pay attention and it also feels natural like you're seeing everything happening in real time instead of everything being postured for the camera i hate personally i usually really really hate that stuff uh, as a director anyway but and so they them doing that was really cool also really loved whenever he falls through the attic i love that they don't explain the joke like yeah you have to understand they expect the audiences to get that he's standing on top of insulation yeah and that's only being held up by like drywall because <laughs> that's how houses work <laughs> and that's how attics work like if you're not standing on one of the beams uh the support yeah. studs then you're on thin ice and so they don't explain that they just you know expect you to know it and the joke plays flawlessly like yeah just <laughs> he slams into the top bunk <laughs> it warms himself yeah. Like that killed me too because yeah. it was so unexpected. Well, it's not totally unexpected in the sense that they show you his feet. And you're just like, oh, what's going to happen here? And that they did it. And I didn't expect there to be a bunk. Uh, so that was like a great little surprise. So I want to say, like, I don't know why I used to like this. I know why I like it now hmm. because I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I'm one of the people where it's my job to like make a good Christmas or whatever. And and but before, you know, I wasn't any of those things, but I still thought it was hilarious. But now I totally get it, you know, and I get where like I don't see my dad as as Clark, but I totally get my I, I do see my dad in the in what the character try attempts uh, to try to do. Right. His struggle and, yeah. of creating the best. Christmas. And he plays the same character in every single one of these movies. He like just wants to give his family the very best of whatever the hell it is that they're doing. In this case, it's Christmas. So that includes crazy lights. That includes great food. That includes, you know, um, a tree, you know, presents, a pool, all <laughs> these, you know, all these things. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. The only other thing that I really noticed was that they hurt animals without ever showing it, which is the way you got to do it. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, and the part that impressed me, though, is this is the 80s when I guarantee you could go in the same year and find a dozen other movies, like not being afraid to like hurt an animal on, on screen. But for comedy purposes in this film, they understood 
we can't really hurt a cat. Yeah. You know, so uh, we're going to put it in a box. You're not going to see it. You're just going to hear it. And that makes it funny because you're, you're one level removed. You don't see an actual cat suffering. And the way he's hamming it up, you also understand there's not really a cat in that box. Yeah. Um, he's just being silly. And the, uh, the cat, like, exploding under the chair. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just see the outline underneath. Yeah. Like, you never actually see, like, a cat corpse. Uh, yeah. That probably would have been gross. I'm sure they would have found a way to make it funny, like... Whether, you know, you overdo it, right? And you just exaggerate and through the exaggeration, it becomes funny because you're disconnecting from reality and that allows you to not feel like you're partaking in any yeah. cruelty on any level. Like same thing with the dog choking under the table. Like you're only hearing him make these really weird noises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he makes it through. It's it's just, bone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, what, what, one of the things that for me makes this movie so stinking great like not just a great comedy but a great movie is that nothing is kind of like left out of of the loop so so all the loops are closed um so let me let me give you an example so the example of the the cat right mm-hmm. frying underneath the the chair well in most movies the chair would just be gone it would get rid of the chair but you see a scene with with Clark and and cousin Eddie taking the chair out to the the corner to throw it away. And Eddie's saying, I could reupholster this. It's still a good quality <laughs> item, you know, like talking about the chair that they're throwing away, right? Yeah. Um, Eddie emptying his his waste into the sewer. And then later on the Grandpa Grandpa, yeah, whatever, throwing the match, you know. The neighbors are throughout the entire movie. There, there's this build up, build up, build up until he's going to go over and punch him or something. And, you know, or she's going to go over and punch him and, you know, and his, his growth of anger, right? The boss, the scene, you know, we we're introduced to the boss, like pretty much right at the beginning, we find out he wants to put a pool in and it's dependent upon his bonus. And then we have the boss at the end. Finally, when they drag the boss to the, to his house, right. And his boss finally gives him his bonus or whatever. Uh, the dog, I mean, you know, we see, we meet the dog halfway through the movie, right? But the dog plays an important part of completely destroying the house. And even when they go and they're shopping and Clark is saying to Eddie, I want to get, make, give you guys a good Christmas or whatever. They're shopping for dog food, right? Right. Like Eddie's throwing like pounds, like seven bags of dog food on the damn thing, right? <laughs> on the, on the, the cart. So it's, the the lights the lights are like half the movie the Christ, christmas lights in the house are half the movie the tree is half the movie i mean they they touch on they don't touch on anything they like yeah com- they keep going back to everything there's all there's a reason why everyone is in there the little girl his little uh, eddie's little girl right mm-hmm. the the fact that they're poor they they hammer that shit home whenever he's you know staring out the window that night. She comes up and talks about Santa Claus and that she doesn't really get any presents or whatever. That um, she's just happy to not have right. to put on a jacket to use the bathroom. <laughs> right. Ex- yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, so they give you even moments of like uh, emotion, but they just as a movie, right? As like a as you know, you look at the story clock notebook. You you look at the 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 way the story is structured. It's if you if you see something at the beginning, you're also going to see it halfway through, and you're also going to see it at the end. If you see it th- a third of the way in, you're also going to see it two thirds of the way in. You know, they keep going back to everything to kind of either tie it up or reintroduce it as a hey, you remember this? Well, it's going to come back. 
you know, or something. That's such a great point. Like, cause watching this, I was like, oh, okay. They're, they're not going heavy on story. And to some degree, I mean, they didn't in the sense that there's not this crazy plot line. Like to your point, he's trying to make the best Christmas ever. And there's all these elements that go into it. Like you said, the, the tree, the lights, the gifts, uh, the family, and, you know, his Christmas bonus, uh, being able to pay for so much more, uh, the biggest surprise for his family that he could imagine, which, you know, is the pool. Yeah. Um, and from there, it's, it's all just kind of going back to those same things. And even that line that you mentioned a second ago, I thought was a really interesting, like on a meta conversation, whenever they're hauling it out and you said, Hey, I could still reupholster this thing. Like to the exact point that you were making, they didn't abandon the chair after it just got used and burnt yeah, up. Oh, man, yeah. They reused it. Yes. And in that same way, he's talking about, we can still get some life out of this chair, which is exactly what they're doing in that scene is getting a little more life out of that chair. Exactly. And there was another joke in there. We can get it. Yes. Uh, and reintroducing the sewer at the yeah. same time. You smell that? <laughs> yeah. It's really efficient. It's only a 97 minute movie, but it's really efficient. They hit and home. Yeah. They do. And uh, it's another thing from the 80s. They're not afraid of like time and space and uh, to let a scene really play out. I mean, the opening where they're tree hunting yeah. probably takes a good 10 or 15 minutes yeah. Uh, yeah. before you finally get to their house even. And they're milking that for all it's worth. But they immediately cut to the house and let's get straight to the result of all of our fruit, you know, all our, all our labor. Yeah. And of course, the tree is the tree explodes. Yeah, yeah it's too big. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, and it's yeah. So it hits all the points of holiday with the with the dinner and the the family that you didn't expect to come over and the family didn't want to come over. Uh, you know, everything going wrong, and then gives you a little bit extra of just you know a little crazy extreme stuff. Um, but story wise, I felt like you know they kind of like hit all the points and yeah. they, kept, they kept coming back to them too. So yeah, it was, it's actually it was really smart, efficient. Yeah. Like yeah. thought through, you know, story, uh, writing. Yeah. And that's John Hughes, you know, he's a, yeah. uh, the writer of the eighties, I would say. Definitely. And uh, my son loves this movie. Does he? Simon <laughs> loves this movie. He laughs his ass off every time we watch it. Every, every time we watched it twice this year and he would laugh. He would laugh every time that Clark gets hurt or something funny happens. If he falls or something, he just loses his mind. Loves it. Loves it. So it was interesting seeing Julia Louis uh, Dreyfus. Oh yeah, right. Playing not Elaine. Uh, uh, yeah, that was hard to get I still my head think around. She was Elaine. Yeah, it was like before she moved back to the city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a floral wit talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's yeah. Pretty much all I got. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I I give it a ten as a movie and as a comedy and as a Christmas comedy, Christmas movie. It's 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 my favorite. If not one of my favorites, definitely my. If not my favorite, one of my favorites. Nice. I'd say yeah. Nice. I'm not gonna rate it. I don't think it's fair. Like this is a. It's a funny movie. I love Chevy Chase. You can rate it. I mean, for me, it's is probably a three out of five. Like, okay. It's yeah. something that I could sit and watch if. My family did so much more of like for the holidays, Wizard of Oz and Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. Like those were just on a loop and I hate both of them very much. I, I really don't like Christmas Story either. I don't. I'm so burned out on that movie. Yeah, man. Which is funny because I cannot get burned out on this movie. <laughs> I've seen this movie probably 30 times and I laugh still every time I watch it. But that movie I just is like, it's I don't know, it's old. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Nice. So what are you going to recommend this week? Do you know? I was You're going to guess it. I'm going to guess The Great Outdoors. No. Ooh, what do you got? The Witcher. Ooh. Which is not, it has nothing to do with, obviously, right. with Christmas or anything. Uh, yeah. Netflix, The Witcher. Nice. I don't want to talk about why. Very interesting. Have you finished it? I have. Interesting. We're going to talk about this off air. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. I have not actually figured out my... Oh, no, I was going to recommend Haunting of Hill House, but Scott already recommended that yeah, last we week. We can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that. So I'm going to do you. You're going to recommend me? <laughs> the Netflix series called You. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Called Todd. No. Um, it's it's interesting. They just dropped the second season, so that's why it's fresh on my mind. But it's interesting seeing Penn Badgley, if you know him from, I think, Gossip Girl, playing uh, this creep. And it's a really phenomenal uh, deconstruction of the nice guy. Okay. Uh, it's, I think, brilliant. And it will break me out in hives for a completely different reason than we talked about in the show opening. Like, it makes me that nervous. And... I, it's it's a train wreck and you can't look away. Oh wow! Check it out because okay. you will hate yourself. <laughs> wow! You're welcome. Couldn't find a short film for a short spotlight. I went through like 15 or 16 films and nothing was just quite clicking. And so, okay. uh, instead of that, what about threads. Yeah, we well, will. Unless you had something. Nope. I was literally going to jump to the next thing. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I will put our short film up there, uh, Threads. Uh, it's le- music by Kiona, uh, directed by me and Andrew, M. Andrew Barrera. Yeah. M. Andrew? Andrew M. M. Andrew. M. Andrew uh, Barrera, and written by the four of us, me, Todd, Scott, and Andrew. Yeah. And check it out. It's it's amazing. It actually is. I'm like, re- I mean, I'm yeah, so proud of that part thing. Of it, and it, it was amazing. So y'all check still it out. When I work with the guys from that crew on, on other shoots and stuff, they're still tell me like, dude, that was like the best shoot I've ever been on. Are you serious? I seriously, Oh man, they were like that. That was, it was amazing because nobody was there because they wanted to make a bunch of money. They wanted to make something really cool. And so they all had like this vision in mind and, and everything went off like pretty much without a hitch. And it was, I mean, we did, it was, it's a 14 minute short, uh, or films in three days and everyone was just on it. Right. And And, they loved it. And a 14, you might think, okay, a 14 minute film isn't too bad to, to shoot in, in three days, but you have to understand there's so many, this is a, these are music videos. It's a short film, a short story told over music videos. And there's so many more locations and yeah. coverage that you have to get. This isn't, we're going to shoot a five minute talking scene yeah. in one room. And now we've done five pages and now we just have nine pages left to go. We can get another five, you know, this evening on that other five minute talking scene. Like it's not that. Yeah. This and is, we, and we have one camera, so yeah. it's not like we can have one camera shooting over here and another camera shooting over there at that location. It's like, no, we have 12 locations and we have to hit them all in three days. Yeah. Okay. Well. Just worked our shot list and yeah. uh, know your story, man. Yeah. And so, yeah, check that out. I'll embed it in the uh, show notes. And I wanted to give a couple shout out, shout outs. Uh, Junie, thank you. I don't know if you knew yeah. this, Todd, but we have a following in Norway. I, I have heard. It's kind of impressive. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. We're like, we're like mildew. We're just kind of we're just spreading, spreading around yeah. the globe. Is that what, yeah. I guess we could we're the mildew that. of the podcast world. <laughs> Junie, thank you yeah, so much. Thank you, Junie. Your email was actually really damn cool. And I'm excited. She asked for us to, uh, to, to do Mindhunter. Yeah. Which I'm excited to do. It's absolutely one we probably would have done eventually yeah. uh, because, you know, we enjoy it. And you've recommended it at one point. Um, Which season? You, Any season? You reckon? Uh, I'm just assuming both seasons. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen them both, so. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what. Oh, no, we haven't recommended. I thought you recommended this, but maybe not. Um, maybe you just recommended it to me. And so, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, not this next week, but the week after. And keep recommending us to your friends, Junie. It's appreciated. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's that's the yeah. only way we really grow, to be honest. Like, I've tried to do so many marketing efforts, and I, I'm i sure we picked up a, a listener here and there from that. Like, I'll post on Reddit, yeah. and, uh-huh. uh, to Twitter, and uh, I'll, I know my brother's run, like, paid advertising on Facebook, and... I don't know how many we picked up through all that, but I feel like it's mostly through referrals and people saying, hey, check out the show. I think you might. Hey, they did your favorite movie. Go listen to this podcast. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing that happens. And the other cool thing that happened uh, a few, I don't know, a month or so ago, whenever, you know, we found out Hannah uh, was around, yeah. like she did this really cool thing that I'd never even considered before uh, on her Instagram story. She posted about, here's my favorite three pestle episodes. Uh, oh, cool. which is cool. I, something I'd never even thought about listeners having, uh, like, Oh, I really, for her, it was like La La Land, Black Swan. And I forgot the third. Uh, but I was like, Oh, that's really cool. That's impressive that someone's listened to three of them. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just really cool that, you know, people listen and recommend us. And I mean, you know, don't feel super obligated, but if there's, you know, a movie that, you know, someone likes say, Hey, just, I am it to them and say, Hey, check yeah. out, check out this episode. They might have some fun things for you to hate or love or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also wanted to give a shout out to Izzy. He's, I mean, he's always great. He sent, you know, he sends thoughtful emails and posts really great comments on the boards. Um, but he also did this really cool thing uh, a few weeks ago where he talked about the movies that he saw this year because of us that he otherwise said he probably wouldn't have seen. And oh, he, he uh, posted all the uh like i think it was 24 of them maybe maybe or maybe 12 to 24 somewhere in there and he posted uh screenshots or uh, the titles on the facebook page and for you know several of them he wrote up his own synopsis I th- i'm pretty sure there were spoiler free synopses um that kind of tied in like the show a little bit but it was just kind of an alternate synopsis of plot synopsis of the films and i was like oh this is that's cool this is pretty cool and the cool thing is like like someone like him you know he's not gonna he's not gonna just regurgitate what we say yeah he has his own opinion yeah i've noticed that and i love that yeah and like you know we don't do this because we want other people to have the same opinion as us like i don't we don't even agree sometimes yeah. i mean a lot of times we do let's be honest. Times, yeah. but we don't even agree sometimes and that's cool man that like you know somebody this is this wasn't your favorite movie mm. favorite christmas movie it is mine right that's totally cool and yeah. i love hearing you know why is that not why is it it's just, yeah you know so like that kind of conversation can only make things better right can only make the way that movies are made or movies are are consumed a better experience right Heck yeah so yeah good on you is appreciate you man that's awesome 
Um, so stay tuned for next week. We're actually going to be doing something different. Yeah. What is this, man? This is, is a, this, are we finally doing this? Yeah, we're finally going to do it. Okay. This is a year in the making. Um, yeah. This is a special edition. We're not going to be discussing a movie. Instead, we're going to be discussing the three rules of fat loss. Do we need an explanation yet? Or are we just, I think like, so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so I dropped like 45 pounds last year over the course of 30 weeks. And so I did that following these three rules that I'll discuss, you know, in the next week's podcast, but it, it was hard. I mean, it took a lot of time, but I really just wanted to make a point that the way people discuss and look at losing weight is usually wrong and it's usually ill motivated. Yeah. I feel like the industry has has a, a bent towards just self propelling itself yeah, of instead of trying to help people actually reach their goals. It's we're trying to sell a magazine, so we need to come up with a new way to build bigger arms and have a flatter tummy. I'm like, it's not that hard. And yeah. so I didn't do any cardio. <laughs> Yeah, that was a very, that was a specific thing you yeah. wanted to say, like no cardio. And, you know, I'm sure there were probably times where you wanted to, maybe you wanted to go for a run or you wanted to jump on a, a elliptical or something. I don't yeah. know, yeah, probably yeah. not uh, or, or whatever, but towards the end, because, you know, for reasons I'm sure we'll dive into or maybe not, I don't know. Next week is going to be a really weird episode uh, and fun because I'm going to have just tons and tons of information. I'm not just going to say stuff to say it. I would say the majority of what I'm going to say is also backed by like research and uh, stuff that I can link you to, to, yeah. you know, kind of prove that there's some underlying, even if, you know, and the times that I'm going off board, I'll certainly say that. Yeah. But yeah, there were times when, as I went from 217 pounds down to my final weigh in was at like 172 on the b before and after. Unbelievable. Yeah. Those, those pictures of before we and after. We almost weighed the same. It was crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I'm six foot and you're six four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so towards towards the end, my rate of weight loss had, you know, plateaued. Well, not plateaued, but had slowed. Towards the beginning, I was doing like 1.8 to 2 pounds a week. And then towards the end, I was down to like 1.2 to 1.3 pounds a week. And you want it to go faster. And so the temptation is to do cardio because you yeah. need to burn more calories. And so I was really tempted to like... Yeah, I I just want to get this over with. Let me just, you know, do a couple of hours of cardio a week. But I was like, no, nope, I'm proving a point here. Yeah. I'm not going to do cardio because you don't actually have to do cardio to no. lose weight. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's about something else completely. And, I, and I'm and i a cardio guy. You are a and cardio I'm, guy. And I agree with you. <laughs> that's, 100%. That's telling. <laughs> and, and I will say, and we'll talk about this next week, but I got on, I've learned this myself from you. Oh, wow. years ago when oh. we first started working out yeah. and you made a suggestion to me and I was like, all right, I'll try it. And it was amazing. Like it within just a month fell off me. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing anyway. So yeah, stay tuned to next week for that. That's going to hey, be fun to the, yeah, I'm excited. This uh, is, I am too. This is a big, big, big deal. Yeah. Big deal. Subscribe, review us on iTunes, leave us a note. Uh, if there's a movie you want us to cover, don't be afraid to comment or send us an email, uh, info at the pestle If that's better for you, some people will probably a little, antsy about publicly posting and so for me like i'm more of a lurker on message boards i just read what other people write and i almost never comment 
So I get it if there are those of you out there that don't want to comment, but it's a judgment-free zone. I'm never going to be the person who's like, oh, you said that you're an idiot. Like that's yeah. not in my nature. Right. <laughs> even, even if I 1000% disagree with whatever, um, that's just not me. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to comment and suggest something or, you know, throw, throw an idea out. Uh, there's usually some merit to it. No stupid questions. But if you want to do any of that, you can go to the pestlepodcast.com slash National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and leave a comment there. Awesome. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day from Chevy Chase. What's funny is funny. The same thing that made you laugh a hundred years ago makes you laugh now. It's, it's, it's funny <laughs> because, um, we're, uh, my wife and I are watching comedians in cars getting coffee hmm. and Seinfeld says the same quote. Really? Like, yeah. He's like, funny is funny, man. It just is right. It, if it was funny before, it's funny now. It just, yeah. And that struck me so well because I've never really thought about that in terms of comedy. Like we all realize that in terms of drama, like there's a reason 500 years later, we're still performing Shakespeare, you know, yeah. and, and there's these universal truths that are happening. But in, you know, it's the same thing with Plato that, you know, 2,500 years ago, you know, for thousands of years, we haven't really changed as much as we think we have. Technology's changed. But human nature and the universal truths are all the same. And within that is humor, is the things we laugh at. Yeah. Uh, and there's still layers to that. There's the, oh, he, he tripped and fell. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you know, right. uh, there's that simple base layer, but there's also the deeper layer stuff of uh, there's this guy who nothing is going to go right for him. Yeah. So there's a hilarity in that, too. Oh, Hamlet, you moron. You, you yeah, know. exactly. Exactly. Just another version. Yeah. Right. I think so. Uh, and so, yeah, that's just something I'd never thought about. And I, I think, yeah, what's universally true a hundred years ago is probably going to be universally true today. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't have to remake the wheel necessarily <laughs> no, to be funny. You really don't. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know, like we'll watch, uh, uh my wife and I will watch com comedians and stuff, uh, online and, uh, uh, they just, they tell the same jokes just in a, in a different way or in their own unique way. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that makes them different. It's not, you know, I, ch most comedians who are married or have families, they tell jokes about their spouses and about their kids, right? Yep. It's always about their spouses and it's always about their kids. And the only thing different is their own specific, like uh, unique interaction with them in that what so a year and a half ago i was needing books to read and i was going around to people and your wife handed me like 50 books because she has her she own has, personal yeah. you know library Arsenal. um yeah and one of those books was uh, the importance of being earnest oh yeah right um by oscar wilde it's a play and i just wasn't sure what year it came out because i read it and loved it and was laughing like I was literally laughing at this play and I wasn't sure, you know, when Oscar Wilde was around. Uh, and this is the surprising part was the first performance of this play was in 1895. Wow. Valentine's Day, 1895. 120 years ago. What the hell, man? And you're still laughing at it. Still laughing at That's it. That's crazy. Like, and it's so weird and like silly a hundred years ago, what made you laugh a hundred years ago makes <laughs> you laugh makes now. you laugh now. Wow. Like that just blew my mind. I thought it was going to be like from the 1920s or something, but I had no idea. You just looked that up just now? Just yeah, to, just to see. you thought about it? Yeah. Uh, God. 
that that's so, hilarious yeah wow. there yeah. you go there you go chevy you're right <laughs> yeah well that it's been a lot of fun i i've thoroughly enjoyed talking about christmas vacations I, I really did i've been looking forward to this for a while so thank you guys so much for joining us we appreciate it can't wait until next week man it's, yeah uh, i'm so proud of you for what you did uh i was proud of you during even though i made fun of you sometimes um by eating cookies in front of you <laughs> yeah. uh and then going for a long run um but i'm very proud of you and i cannot wait to talk about everything next week thanks man yeah until next week i'm todd i'm wes go watch some movies